1: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Standing with me, I don't see my daughter, oh, there she is. Standing with me is my uh, daughter, Delaney, and uh, four of her good friends, Sean, Mitch, Matt, and Jake, uh, all part of Edison High School's number one in the nation's soccer team. And and so, uh, let's see where are they standing. This is Mitch, and this is Matt, and this is Jake, and this is Sean. Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience uh, before you go back to California? Uh, I just want to say belated happy birthday to my mom. So,
2: happy birthday. Happy birthday. In four
1: days. Yes! I've never worn jeans in my life. Yes! I'm going to college.
0: Very good! Delaney comments Uh,
1: hello listen you know it's it's really really easy to be a rebel uh, and a partier when you're a teenager uh there's nothing heroic about it uh standing here with me uh these are four of delaney's good uh friends and i'm so proud that uh, of each of them um that they face the teenage life without a bunch of raucous raucous sex and getting high and drunk. Uh, They say no thanks to all that and uh, that takes guts. So to me, uh, they are the truest definition of a rebel in the teenage world and I personally salute them. Plus. None of them are LBS, so they didn't need that to, in order to ch- to choose to do that. So thanks for being uh, with us, you guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. For- all right, ma'am. All the matter can be seen here on live television through streaming video at hotm.tv. In our archives at the same website, all over the web, especially at youtube.com. Wherever you're watching, we welcome you. Calendar time. Get it out this coming Saturday night. Come to Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City for a free screening of Alathia Media's production of Girl. If you have a daughter, know of a girl, have a heart for teens today, be at the Salt Lake Calvary Chapel this Saturday night, 6 p.m., free screening. Girl is a short film written, directed, edited by Cassidy McCraney. Take a look.
0: you are gone. Mother says you only answer prayers from obedient and chaste girls. If that's the
2: case, then screw you.
0: I believe in you, and for some reason, I think you'll help me. So, here's my confession.
1: We assure you it will open up a discussion, conversation, minds, and hearts. Saturday night, 6 p.m. Calvary Chapel this week. Then on Monday night, April 9th, in the month of April, I'll be in Evanston, Wyoming, buying fireworks and 6% beer. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It's a total joke. (laughs) I have the privilege of speaking at uh, Calvary Fellowship at 6 p.m. out there in Evanston. Uh, What's the website? Any website? We are so professional here. You just saw evidence of that. Um, 6 p.m., Evison Calvary Fellowship. Join us, and we'll see if we can find a website for next week. Okay, every week, 1 p.m., Sundays, a.m. 820, The Truth Airs Heart of the Matter on the radio here in Utah. So get in your car and tune in. Then join us every single Sunday, Lord willing, uh, for an hour-long, never-denominational, verse-by-verse Bible study. That's from 2.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon at the University of Utah. You can get information like where and how and times at calvarycampus.com. So show up. It's a great time, and we hope you will be with us. Last Saturday, we held our semi-annual open water baptism throughout most of the state. Take a look. We do praise God uh, for His Holy Spirit being present in those baptisms. 24, 25 Derek. 24 uh, people publicly professing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized, not into a church, uh, but uh, as an outward expression of their inward faith. A beautiful thing. We want to thank Alpine Church Uh, both in Logan and in uh, Riverdale, and the Adventure Church at Liberty Park for their being willing to open up their churches and let us use their facilities. Uh, They all supplied us with somebody who was there to fill up the fonts, take care of us, make sure we didn't burn down the buildings, and uh, it was just a great deal. Uh, Rich Brogy uh, baptized a couple people. We had a few other men come and baptize some other people. I had an uh, opportunity to do some baptisms as well. But the most important thing is that uh, these people were able to, uh, to show their faith in the Lord. We had one man in Riverdale uh, named Les who was fully clothed in his street clothes, and he just decided then and there after, I think, 50 years, he said, that I just want to be baptized. After 50 years, and there in front of his entire family, he gave himself, uh, I think he had done it before, but he publicly professed his faith and love in Christ. We thank everybody for their selfless service. Then on Sunday morning, uh, we had the chance to preach and teach at a full house at Lakeside Community Church in Sunset. Another wonderful experience, uh, for me at least, and it gave all the congregants a chance to catch some shut-eye. So uh, it was a great time, and if you're living in those areas, whether in Riverton or Riverdale or in Logan or in Sunset or in Salt Lake City, check out those churches and their openness for this not-fearing Uh, but opening up for people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. How about getting some light from the Word? All right, we're working through Matthew and we come to the end of Matthew chapter 11. What we do is we just take a couple verses and compare and contrast what the LDS teach and what the Bible teaches. The third article of faith of the LDS says, We believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. That's the third article of faith. What this means is Mormons believe Jesus made immortality or resurrection for everybody. That's what, that's what the free gift is. Everybody will be resurrected, okay? And then he also makes it possible to earn a place in a higher kingdom uh, if you are obedient to Mormon laws and Mormon ordinances, when we open up to Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says something that rings clear and true to the heart of every Christian, words that we literally hang upon. He said in Matthew 11:28, "Come unto me, all ye that are late, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mormonism would have all their members believe that they have to earn and/or merit uh, eternal life with Heavenly Father through this earthly experience by being obedient to Mormon laws and ordinances. This false idea is reinforced by their teachings that a person must be baptized into the LDS church and receive the LDS baptism alone. They must accept and do the Mormon temple rites. They must be married in the Mormon temple and you have to pay tithing, you have to obey the Sabbath day and you have to do all these other things in order to get into that temple. Once a person joins the Mormon church and gets active in their ward, these must grow in number. They must, like I said, pay their tithing. They must obey the Sabbath day. They must fulfill their church assignments. They must sustain all their leaders. They must, they must, They must. Mormon prophet Spencer W. Kimball said in his piece of religious pornography, The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 207, quote, however powerful the saving grace of Christ, it brings exaltation to no man who does not comply with the works of the gospel, meaning Mormonism. Uh, Their prophet said, no matter How powerful the saving grace is of Christ. No one will go and live with God the Father after this life who does not comply with the works of the Mormon gospel. That's their teachings. Bottom line, Mormonism sings, we all have work, let no one shirk, put your shoulder to the wheel, and Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because of time, we're going to skip our minute with our atheist buddy Blake tonight. Our ability to stay in the public eye is directly tied to your support of the ministry.
0: We hope you will prayerfully consider the following.
1: According to the news, it seems like a BYU employee, while working, moving crates, struck his shin and uttered the it word and was fired for doing that. I was informed that when this person's employers were told that the firing was over this single incident, they said, boom, you mother-
0: Not having to- Not having
1: Anyway, uh, I don't know what to say at this point. Uh, I, and let me just go into one more thing before we go and show the third part of the interview. The nation, when it wants to understand Mormonism, in large part looks to Utah, and it looks to the Christians living in Utah To explain how serious and how off the biblical mark Mormonism is, there are factions in this state that have befriended the Christian churches and used their political and their Christian political power to make those Christian churches endorse Mormonism. They do this through some this ecumenical thing that is going on. Last week, up in Park City, the NAE, or the NEA, it's the National Association of Evangelicals and the National Evangelical Association, I don't know what, had 40 of their most powerful national representatives for the first time in their 100-year history come to Utah. And they were so excited because an actual representative of the LDS church was going to meet with them. And, you know, it's kowtow to the LDS church. And the LDS Church does nothing but benefit by this. And the president of the NAE or the NEA said, we do this because we want to be able to share Jesus with those who don't have it, and we want to establish common ground where we can work together. When Mormonism works together with any form of Christianity, Mormonism will win. Christianity will lose. It is incumbent Upon the Christian churches, every single church in this state, to let the nation know what Mormonism is about, not make the nation think that Mormonism is fine and should be embraced by the body of Christ. So something has gone wrong in the state, and I would challenge you to tell your pastors and leaders of your churches, hey, We want the nation to know what Mormonism does to people in the state, the Mecca of Mormonism, not the other way around and act like they should be included in the body. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. God of heaven and earth, almighty God, we thank you and love you. And uh, we just pray you will be with our audience wherever they may be. We pray you'll be with our volunteers and the staff and with people who are seeking for truth that their eyes may be opened, their ears will hear, their heart will be converted, and they may be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we watched the second 20-minute segment of my interview with John Dillon at mormonstories.org. John is an excellent interviewer and a dear friend, so we thank him for allowing us to air these segments here on Heart. Last week, we left off with my explaining what it was like doing our first show and some of the first calls we had that night. So let's pick it up from there, but before we do... We're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20, call so that the operators can start working through and get you cleared. Not if you have something that's tough to answer, not if you're LDS. We want to make sure you have a good point. You're a first-time caller. So let's go and uh, see what John Dellen and mormonstories.org has to say. March of 2006 now, and it's Tuesday night, and they're like, okay, you know, five, four, three, two. <laughs> I'm like, "Ty, You know, I, I, I had like a notes about this big, and I just started talking. We opened up the phone lines, and the first or second or third call a BYU professor. And he's like, Sean, the Book of Mormon talks more about Jesus. I'm sorry if this is mocking but That's how he was. Talks more about Jesus quantitatively than the Bible does. Don't you find that to be a bit ironic? And man, it was game on. (laughs) And I just said, okay, we're going to battle, I guess. And we have never been without full calls. The show went, the website went from getting 10 hits a month to uh, we get, you know, a half a million or more a month now. Um, We get uh, get 200 emails from all over the world from people who are seeking to understand it. The show goes to uh, 450,000 households, potential households in Idaho, Utah, Montana. We stream video all over the world. Uh, We have reprinted the book three times, we're doing it again, we're getting another version to come out, and the Lord has blessed it greatly, and I don't believe the Lord has blessed it because it's against Mormonism. I believe the Lord has blessed it because we used him as the operative key in a person's life to figure out what they want to do. Uh, Now, the show itself, that becomes controversial. You want to talk about that a second? We'll, We'll talk about that a bit. Okay. All right.
2: At any point, have you started a church? started a Bible
1: study and uh, we called it Lord's Word and we started kind of being church-like. And I just realized I'm really not about church. So we pulled back and we renamed something called Calvary Campus, Christian Assemblies Meeting to Prayerfully Understand Scripture. We meet at universities on Sundays and I teach the Bible verse by verse. We get somewhere 80 to 100 people, most of them having come out of Mormonism and not really knowing what to do and uh, that's what I do. It's an hour a week and uh, probably will never plant a church, probably never be a pastor over a church. Do you preach at churches ever? I talk at churches, I get invited. It's really funny, John, because the uh, evangelical Christian community, as you want to call it collectively here in the state, three churches have had me come. Uh, The rest of them continue to, to not like my methods. Uh, they'll they'll let us do the dirty work and we know we send people all the time who come in from Mormons into their church, but they just don't like me, I guess. They don't like my, they think I'm really arrogant or full of bravado or they don't like my method, but, uh, it's effective, you know,
2: and that's again, it's gotta be hard to have given your life to, to Jesus, to evangelical Christianity. Is that what you like to call it? What do you like to call it?
1: Not at all. What do you call it? Uh, you know, I am a believer in Jesus, and I do not want any connection to evangelical Christianity. I, uh, Christianity even, even though it has a great onset from Antioch way back, even that today is scary because of uh, the way people approach it, you know? So I want to be known as someone who follows Jesus, and, and that's not even his name, you know, Jesus and or Yeshua. Yeshua, I want to follow him and him alone. And I don't care about religion. You know, I really don't. I don't care if LDS stay in the church. You know, I tell them, look, come out if you want. Get out of there. And this is the reason why. But but come to know the Lord first. Know who he is. And others who say, hey, I'm staying in. Well, do you know the Lord? Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's free.
2: So you don't associate with no. any strain of Christianity no. other than, that's no. what, I have no idea. I would have no. just pegged you as your... Yeah. evangelical
1: I, know, I seem like one of those raving guys but I'm
2: really not <laughs> hi Sean this has been great it's uh, I'm ready to move to the second part of what I hope to accomplish um, uh, for this part uh, I'm not interested so much in talking about you know criticizing the LDS Church just um, for its own sake not that you do that but um, I do sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm most interested in in the second part is having you give the pitch for what Christianity is about. Uh, if you want to get into doctrine, that's cool. If you want to get into theology, that's cool. If you just want to get into the experience, it's okay to contrast with the church, but not as a way to criticize the church again, more as a way to inform the, the difference And from your perspective, the beauty or the meaning or the import of, I don't want to say your brand of Christianity, but of Christianity as you see it. So imagine that there are listeners out there who have left Mormonism, left the church. They're, you know, they don't know what to think. Maybe they're atheists, maybe they're agnostic, maybe they're still Christian. They're probably distrustful of institutions. They probably have Read enough biblical criticism or historical criticism to even question the foundations of Christianity. Um, and most importantly, as I mentioned before, they're just gun-shy of churches. It's just like, I'm out of the church business. Why, you know, paint a picture for your message and what it can mean to people, why it's important. Okay. Uh, let me preface.
1: Uh, I'm going to. Do uh, this is an opportunity for me to give what I believe is the plan of salvation. It's like the old missionary thing. But let me preface it by saying this it is certainly not about a church or organized religion. There are Hindus who are born again, they don't know who Jesus is, but they have that connection through Him changing and giving them a heart. There are Muslims. There are people everywhere. It's, it's, the, the church is made up of believers, not a denomination, not a specific uh, group uh, or uh, institution. It's made up of believers. And there are Baptist churches and Pentecostal churches and Catholic churches and Mormon churches that have all kinds of people in there who they are not believers. Okay, And there's a bunch of those churches, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, all these same churches that have these certain people who are. That's what makes up the body of Christ.
2: Okay, now, what are they, If you're a Hindu or Muslim, what are you believing in if you've never heard of Jesus? Well, they believe in the God that they know. And they believe in, in what they have been taught.
1: Yeah, but we know that there are there are seven, I can't recall them, so please don't ask, ways that God reveals himself. Through nature is one. So we always say, well, what about the aborigine? Well, if the aborigine looks to the sky and says, I believe there's something bigger, God works through that. He works through his law written on our hearts. He works through his word written in print. He works through his Holy Spirit. He works through all these means and people. So Now, I don't mean to make it seem like a general thing. There's a lot of Muslims and a lot of Hindus. I think they're the exception, but I believe they, they do exist.
2: Okay, so, and I, and I want to get to the core thing. I don't yeah. want to start off on a tangent, but so you're, you can have a born-again experience Never hearing the name Jesus. Yes, absolutely. That's that's credible in God's eyes. Absolutely. So it's to the love and to the faith and to the redemption. I mean, what are they? It's the acquiescence of a higher power that redeems them
1: and saves them. To see themselves and something bigger than them. And that spirit, he gives them that spirit. And that spirit dwells in their heart and changes them. So they don't know Jesus. Anybody who says you have to know the name Jesus in this life to be saved is really being myopic because, first of all, his name's not Jesus. So what is that about, you know? And and the the, the, the way to save this thing from a biblical perspective is that Jesus was God, you see? So you acquiesce to God, and then you have that connection whether you knew Jesus or not. So that's the point I, I want people to understand prefacing my pitch, and that is the religions aren't going to save you. And, uh, and they might claim to, but they're not going to do it. It's going to be you finding truth uh, through I believe God will give anybody who's willing to hear it. Now, my pitch is this. God created a world, and he put Adam and Eve in it, and it was a beautiful place, and he told them to multiply and replenish the earth, and I believe they could have done it. And if they didn't know how to do it, they could have said, God, help me out, man. We don't know what that means. And they would have gone to him in their relationship and he would have told them. Now, Adam and Eve were made of three parts. They were made of a body and they were made of a soul and they were made of a spirit. Some people think soul and spirit are the same, but they're not. In the Greek, soul is the suke, and it's the mind and it's your will and it's your emotions. So just imagine Adam is three in one, okay? We have, a, we have his soul, his mind, will, and emotion and he has an apartment in his heart where the Holy Spirit dwells and he's created by God and God breathes, in, breathes into his body and he becomes a living soul. And that spirit, God, he relates to God in this garden, right? And, and Eve. And they have this relationship and God gives them two commandments. Multiply, replenish the earth, don't eat of the tree. They decided, look, we're gonna take the shortcut to knowledge. And they brought sin into this world. And my point in saying all that is God told Adam, you're gonna die, in your, you're gonna die if you eat of that fruit. And when he took of that fruit, he didn't die. He lived to 920 years of age. But he died spiritually, and that apartment in his heart shut down, empty, dead. And so men and women, we now operate in a bipartite system, body and soul. We are spiritually dead. We don't have any apartment in us open to God anymore, which is why Jesus in John 3 said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And and that which is one of the spirit is spirit, you have to have that apartment opened up again. And that Holy Spirit comes into you and it takes over your life and it allows you to experience God in the first way, okay? So we go through our life and we're born in this fallen world and we are all sinners by nature. And we all rely on our mind, will, and emotion and body to get through life. Now, some people choose to do things very bad in their mind, will, and emotions and body. And some people choose to do a lot of good in their mind, but all of us still fail. And so we have a need of a redeemer. And my pitch is this, that God came down in the flesh and he redeemed us. And uh, all the variances in the story, I believe he was a historical figure, I believe he was God in the flesh, and I believe he died on the cross and he shed his blood, which typified what they had been doing, the Jews, with animals forever. And that blood, when you believe on that, that saves you. It's not your good life that you've lived or it's not the evil life that you lived. It's your faith on Him that saves you. Once that occurs and that Holy Spirit opens that apartment back up, you then are a tripartite being. And you start to let that Holy Spirit operate in your life and it starts to work on your body, mind, will, and emotion and get it in line with God. And that's processional. So spiritual rebirth just like physical birth is immediate. No, no woman gives birth over the course of a lifetime. It's an immediate event that comes by faith and the Holy Spirit comes inside you. Once that occurs, you you still are a sinful. You're a babe in Christ, is what the Bible says. So you make messes. You're still addicted to drugs or alcohol. You still have been changed, you're redeemed. You die, you go to heaven. But the Holy Spirit is there lifting and working with you to get better. That is where the works come. That's where the sanctification of your life comes. The LDS Church, just to bring this, is very good at sanctifying people. They do a wonderful job at helping people progress in their body, in their lives. But they ignore the horse that goes before the cart. You have to change the spirit first within you to motivate you to do those things rather than reverse, do those things to change the spirit. And that's the big conflict tension between evangelical Christianity, Christianity, and, and the LDS Church. So my, my plea is to not believe me, is to not believe uh, your pastor or your religious leader, but you go to God and you test it. You say, look, I don't even know if you exist. He wants honesty. I don't even like you. He wants honesty. But I want to know, know truth. You show me truth. That's all. And you open my eyes to truth and I'm willing to receive whatever it is. That's my challenge. And I believe that what happens is he is faithful to his promise and when he comes in and he gives you and you become a full person again, like we were intended to be, you have fellowship with God, unlimited, not based, you weren't saved by your righteousness. You don't lose your righteousness based on your failures. So you have this place of security. And with that security comes unconditional love. And with that unconditional love comes a desire to serve this God and King who pulled you up and did, did this for you, even though you didn't deserve it. So in that sense, um, it's liberating. So what I would suggest and what I would offer uh, in my experience and the experience of millions of others is freedom. Your freedom from the yoke of tithing, whether it's in a Christian church, Sabbath days, dress codes, outward appearances, and what it does is you, you leave that law of the letter that the children of Israel were under, and you now live under the law of love, the two great commandments. And you get convicted when you fail in your love, and that Holy Spirit convicts you, and you then say, Lord, I th-, and you move on. And, and I say it's the most liberating, uh, life-enhancing uh, thing to come about in your life. And it, all it requires Is a willingness for God to work in you that's my pitch
2: what are the key elements of how the LDS Church views the atonement or salvation Mm. that that you feel like can be harmful
1: yeah Uh,
2: you've talked about a little bit but let's just focus in on that Uh, well how how does the LDS Church get Christianity wrong
1: okay the LDS Church believes that it's a combination of His grace and your works. It's like, you know, after all that you can do. You're saved by grace after all that you can do. That's been rewritten and and massaged a little bit by the LDS leaders. And it means after everything we've done, we're still saved by grace. All the variances are there, but nevertheless, they still believe that you are saved, not by the blood of Christ alone but by His blood, which gives you the opportunity to repent and then to show forth a life of works, which in the end, you're still short of the mark. But then Jesus says, well, you've done a good job. I'm going to pull you up now, and you're saved by grace and works. But biblically, if you believe the Bible, or biblically, it states you can't have both. It's either this or it's that. And, and so... The LDS they give you an admixture of grace and works. They I know they believe in grace. And and the biggest manifestation of grace to the LDS is the fact that we all get resurrected. That's a free gift and they say that's a graceful thing. And also the fact that he shed his blood and so when a Latter-day Saint sins, they do have the repentance process to go through. But it misses the mark and it and it's the the best way to explain it would be for me to give a quick analogy. There's a village and there's a king in that village and the, and the king says, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a servant and he's gonna give you your food, he's gonna take care of mending your clothes, he's gonna do your chores for you, okay? And the thing you need to do to understand is you just believe that that, that servant has come, all right? Now there are two groups in that village. There's one group who said, I believe it. And they sit back and they say, I trust in that completely. And that servant shows up and he cleans and he brings them their food and he's, he's a wonderful guy. There's another group that says, I believe that servant came, but I also believe that I can do some things to make him love me more. So I'm going to put up a picture of the king outside my house, and I'm going I'm to dress really nice when the servant's around, and maybe he's going to love me more, and the king will love me more. But it's never been based on that. It's always been based on the, on the king gave a servant, and he loves the whole village the same. And where the LDS go wrong is they start thinking that by the temple rituals or by their works or by their Sabbath day or their tithing or all of these Old Testament manifestations of the law are somehow going to justify them before God when God sent his son to shed his blood. You know, what the heck is tithing going to do when his own son sheds his blood? So I think where they miss it is they, they add that stuff in. Now, there are some who say that's just not true. And we get into all these polemics and, and everything else. But I, I, I believe, generally I'm speaking truth, that Mormonism teaches salvation is a resurrection. Exaltation takes this effort and work of righteousness on your own part.
2: Yeah. Is baptism by water required in your theology for no. salvation?
1: No. Uh, we go to the thief on the cross. Uh, no, no font there. And uh, that Old Testament idea of Sheol, uh, paradise and prison, and Jesus says, you're going to be with me in paradise, that's Abraham's bosom. He went there by virtue of just him saying, you know, hey, remember me. And so uh, there's no baptism there. Now, the LDS missionaries, I know, say that he was vicariously baptized later, but baptism is another thing you throw in with the blood. Now, anybody who believes in Jesus and wants to follow him is probably going to say, I want to be baptized. And I wasn't baptized for like six years after being a Christian. And when I was, it was miraculous. It really is a wonderful thing. But it does not save you. Water can't save you. Circumcision can't save you. Circumcision didn't make a Jew a Jew. And a pagan can circumcise himself and it didn't make him a Jew. It was, it's identification. Baptism is just a mode of identification. Not, definitely not a, uh, a rite necessary for salvation.
2: Gotcha. Is a final part of your pitch. Talk to an individual, potential believer. Tell them what the process would be for them to be born again and, and what you believe it would bring to their lives. Okay.
1: Uh, Isaiah and Peter, um, a few other Old Testament prophets, when they came to understand who God was, they said, stay away, man, I'm a sinner. Uh, Isaiah said, I am a man undone when he came to see the glory of God. So the the first thing to understand is what brings you to the point where you, as a capable, handsome, financially successful guy or or whatever, is going to call out to this God to save them? And it has to be you understand who he is. Like Socrates says, if we understood things, we wouldn't sin. Well, if we understand who he is and his glory and power and his strength, you will break. And that's the point you want to get to. So you acquiesce. You realize who you are relative to God. Do you have things that cannot be accounted for in terms of your life? Have you done things wrong? Do you need strength? And when you believe that you do, relative to who this glor- glorious God is, you go to Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've, I've, I've made mistakes. Now, you might be a really bad sinner, and you might not be a bad sinner at all, but you're still a sinner. And I wanna be born again, God. And so I'm asking Jesus' blood to cleanse me and come in and, and, and take over my life, be my sovereign Lord and King. Now, you're making a new guy your king, and he's internal. And you're willing to do what he wants you to do. If you play games and it's semantical and it's, it's perfunctory, forget it. It ain't going to happen. But if you're broken and you want that, he'll give it to you. He promises. And what that will do is it will free you from all the confines and restrictions of men. And it frees you from uh, not only from the burden of sin that you've carried, but it frees you from the uh, the sins that you continue to do. Now, I know some people will say, well, that seems pretty slick. You know, you get to sin like there's no tomorrow. I have never uh, met a Christian believer who says, I'm saved by grace, I can sin. Never. It's something that people say who don't understand it. When someone has been broken and realized that someone has stepped in and reached down and pulled them up from the gutter, um, then they experience rebirth and they're grateful. And out of that gratitude, they serve and they want to be righteous, and that is part of that progression. So you, I would pitch that if you want true freedom, uh, you can have it only, only through Christ. Now, that's dogmatic in this day and age, but it is absolutely certain, um, and he will give you that freedom. Uh, Come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, not a burden, uh, and he makes the captives free.
2: What does that feel like?
1: Uh, You know, I don't know that it's a feeling. I think that it's a realization. Um, I feel with my hands. I can feel this, but with my eyes, I don't feel. It's a sense, but I—it's not a feeling. And I would liken spiritual rebirth to vision not the tactileness of a feeling like, the, like people will say, you get a burning, but to seeing clarity and seeing the world for what it is. And because you now have truth, capital T, him in your life, you then operate from a different platform and you are liberated from all the burdens that come with life. And I was the most burdened man. And uh, I, I admit that readily. Uh, I I wish I had the intestinal fortitude and, and moral character that many of my LDS brothers and sisters have, and I didn't. And there's a lot of people out there who don't. And so what happens to them? Where do they go in a religion that demands certain things for purity? When Jesus said, man, he hung out with the worst of them. And so we have some people in there. We have a lot of them. We deal with them and they like a little coffee on the sly, or they like a little whiskey, or they like to smoke, but they are damn good people, or they, are, they have some moral problems. What do they do when that's, that, those problems plague them and they're a member of that church? Because in the end, you know it's conform or be cast out, and they're cast out to the gutter, and what do they get? So I would suggest to the LDS audience, listen to me on this, that if Mormonism is true, Let's just say it is. We are taking people from the celestial kingdom, and we're bringing them up to the terrestrial. We're taking them from the gutter, and we're saying Jesus is good, and these people's lives change because of him. You can bag on me all you want, but bottom line, we see we have seen hundreds of lives change like this, and they never had a. I could, I was never really a Mormon, and that's my problem. And I know that will be used against me. Well, he never really had the spirit, and all that. And all I can say is, what can I do? You know, But I do have the Lord now. So when I die and go before him, and a Latter-day Saint dies and goes before God, and the Latter-day Saint says, God says, tell me what, why you get to come to live with me. The Latter-day Saint says, well, I did this, and I did this, and I, I tried to do that. And I'm going to say, I did nothing. I have nothing of value to give you. But you gave your son for me. And because of that, I have life. His blood cleansed this reprobate that had no other options, and I tried. You know I tried, God, but I have no other options. And he came in, and he reached below the dirt and pulled me up and saved me and made me a better man. So I couldn't get that through trying to be a good LDS man. I couldn't do it. And so I, I got it from him, and I can't renounce that, and I can't change it, and he's put on my heart to help reach to the LDS people who uh, so many are burdened. There are some good people who have all the right serotonin levels, and they've made the right choices, and they have the right education, and they've got it all together. And I know those families, and my hat's off to them. I'm never gonna affect them with my program. But we get those people who live in the trailers, who are trying to get to sacrament meeting in their DI clothes. And you know, the Lord changes their lives. And so I'm so grateful to be a part of that. And to be able to do something with uh, the life I've been given. We're going to have some complaints from that, I'm sure, about my discussion uh, regarding people of different faiths who are part of the body. You have to understand uh, the context of what I'm talking about, why I'm uh, doing this interview, and you also have to understand... The grace of God is provided, salvation provided, only, 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 only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Babies who die, children who die, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do they know his name? No. And so there are places and people who have had God touch them and regenerate their heart, who they said, I I believe in you, God, You, you higher power, I don't know your name. But, and my point in that is that they are saved. Yes, they can be saved without knowing the name. They will know the name, and they will know it was only through his shed blood. And so don't mix it up. I'm not saying there's all kinds of ways and you can be this. And anybody who God changes their heart, if they're given the time to tarry in this life, will certainly come to know Jesus. However, uh, the caveat is what I was talking about there. So please uh, remember me. I me mean, remember that. Ray from last week from Syracuse, he's LDS. He called and he said last week he had two things, and then he said, there's five reasons, Sean, that you could not be a Latter-day Saint. Ray is on too. Ray, you're on the air. you ready with the five reasons? Yes, Sean, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing wonderful, Ray. Now, listen, <laughs> uh, do me a favor. Okay. Read the five reasons or tell me the five reasons right now and then we'll discuss them one by one.
0: Okay. F- first, can I say that I've really enjoyed your show so far? You can. Okay. It's wonderful. No persecution so far. Really, I've really enjoyed it.
1: You're going to get persecution in a minute, Ray. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here's the first one. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. When you prayed for a Christian rebirth at the side of the road, uh-huh. You finally did as the ancient American prophet Enos did. The only trouble was that you attributed the rebirth to the evangelical form of Christianity instead of the Godhead working in perfect union in your life.
1: So that, that's the that, first one?
0: That's the first one.
1: That's the first reason why
0: I'm not a Mormon? No, no why, why uh, Mormonism didn't work for you. Okay,
1: Okay, that's the first one. Okay, next.
0: Okay, number two. Okay, um, uh, uh, on a show a while back, you mentioned um, you and some of the youth were, were going to the temple. Yeah. Okay, well, let me just read it. Wait, 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 um, wait.
1: So what's I, the reason? We, I don't want a diatribe. Give us the reason, Ray.
0: Okay, this is the reading. Okay. Um, when most of the youth um, lied to your bishop during their temple worthiness interview um, of a... Of, um, um, you know, for baptisms for the dead. Yeah. Uh, um, um, as you stated in one of your shows. Yeah. It sounds as though you included yourself with the other youth in the ward.
1: So I lied to do the baptisms for the dead? That's that's my question. No, no, no. Is that the, is that the reason? You said you had five reasons.
0: Right. What, 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 yeah, my, my reasons are... are... Couched in kind of a question.
1: Okay, we well, can't have a question and a reason. You're gonna tell me okay. it was because I wasn't worthy and I lied to my bishop, or you're gonna, are you gonna give me another reason? Is it was because I lied to my bishop when I went through the temple as a kid? Well,
0: no, no, I'm not accusing you of that. I'm just saying it sounded. You know, I'm not gonna. You, know, make can, wait, wait, can
1: we say this, Ray? Can we say you're saying I wasn't worthy?
0: No, no, I, I'm just saying in that episode that I listened to you. You off-the-cuff said that all the youth... Um, so what's your point, though? Well, well, my point is that you you said that all the youth lied to the bishop, you know, when they go to the temple... They always about do. ...about their worthiness.
1: Okay, all right.
0: So, so I was just wondering if you were included in there. Pro- did, you, did you also lie to the bishop doing during, um, Baptisms for the Dead interviews?
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Probably, yeah. I didn't want to
1: tell him <laughs> I had masticated.
0: Oh, with, with with that then, then I, I, I would include that as one of the reasons why the church. Okay, so lie you include that. Okay, three.
1: finally, thank you because I lied. Okay, next.
0: Uh, well I wouldn't. Well, okay, if you want to put it like that, I would just say that, that you didn't let the bishop work with you through your sins. Okay. I, right. I'd rather put it like that. Okay. All right. Next one. Uh, okay. N- number three on uh, one your shows, you were saying. Um, you know, according to my memory, you were saying that the, the bishop was um, disfellowshipping you, and, and your your mother. You know, tell me if yeah. I have this right. You
1: have it right. They were going to excommunicate me, but my mom went in and said, "If you do, the whole family's leaving the church." So they instead disfellowship me. Now, what's the
0: point? The, the point is, is that in the Bible, um, in the Bible, there, there is a practice of church discipline. In the Bible.
1: Okay, I understand that, Ray. Why is it the fact that my mom did that is that's why I'm not a Mormon. What's the reason, Ray? I hope you don't teach a class in the church.
0: Because you can when, when your mother did that, she wasn't supporting the bishop in, in helping So my mom threatened continue. the bishop, right? Mom th- is it
1: it's because my mom threatened the bishop.
0: Well no, no, no. That she well, wasn't what is
1: bishop. it? What is it, Ray? Why is it that my mom doing that? What was it that it made me not be a Mormon today?
0: It sounded like she wasn't supporting the bishop not, disciplining you.
1: Not supporting bishop discipline. Okay, yes. N- next.
0: Yes. Uh, okay.
1: Um, i got to blame my mom now. We're getting to the Sopranos thing. Okay, go ahead.
0: Okay, <laughs> on the fourth one. Okay. Uh, um, okay, a lot of times on your show... Um, you talk about um, acting on good feelings instead of acting on the personal witness received by the power of the Holy Ghost.
1: Uh, I don't talk. It, I don't talk about acting on good feelings, as though that's a good thing to do. Never. Yeah, I, I hear you talking. Well, I correct that if you heard that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So you're gonna have to cr- cross that one off.
0: Okay. Well. well okay. And mean, you have to explain to me when you've had conversations with people, you talk about Mormons acting on their good feelings. Yeah, they do. Well, well okay. That, that's that's number that, that's number four. You know, the good feelings that I have comes from a, a it's biblical. It comes from a witness of the Holy Ghost. Okay, and and okay. I have a lot of feelings along with that. Okay, listen. It comes.
1: It comes. Facts, faith, feelings. That's the train engine. Train, car, caboose. Facts, faith in those facts, feelings to support the, the faith and the facts. You got that? Okay? With Mormonism, it's feelings, faith, facts. It's a complete reverse train. So you can say that the Holy Ghost is witnessing to them through feelings you're wrong. Your, this run does not work. Ne- your final one, number five. Don't stick on it, Ray. Give us number five. Ray? <coughs> Give us number five, Ray. Come on. Ray? Yes. Put down the joint and give us number five.
0: You know, you're not an easy person to talk with. You you realize that?
1: Uh, I think we got the pot called the kettle black here, dude. You are, come on. What's number five? Number five. He becomes a rain man. Number
0: five. Well, it, it, it sounded, you know, I, I, I got a personal witness of the, the restoration of the
1: gospel. Okay, I don't want to hear your testimony. Give me number five. But this is number
0: five. It sounds like that you never got a personal witness of the restoration of the gospel.
1: Okay, I never had a testimony. Right? 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 I swear, I'm going to stab myself in the neck. (laughs) Ray? Ray? He's gone. Let me address these quickly. We've got somebody from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Ray said, uh, in the Book of Mormon, Enos prayed to have the the mighty change being born again. We have always said Joseph Smith borrowed from the Bible, and he used the stories of the Bible to get the Book of Mormon to look like a very good counterfeit. The Book of Mormon primarily does not teach things that are counter to the Bible. That's why it's such a good counterfeit and a hook. It's later on in the Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and Temple Rites that you get the problem. So the fact that a Book of Mormon character prays to God to be born again doesn't mean anything there, Ray. Next, because I lied to the bishop. Well, you know what? I don't know. I told the bishop a lot of truth. I went and I tried and tried and tried through the bishop. I mean, I was a revolving door with that guy of my sins, trying and trying. So much so, they disfellowshipped me because I was honest with him when I was 18. So you can say that it was because I lied to him, but I really did try. I mean, I was always in there trying to fix my soul, read my book. Next one, my mom. My mom, (laughs) I don't know what to say to that. All I can say is my mom's still LDS and believes like you do, so what can I say? And I never had a testimony. I said that on the thing. Maybe not. Maybe not. And so, Ray, you have a testimony. Again, you die. You go before God. You show all your stuff. You show your temple recommend. You show how many times you've been there, your righteousness, your holiness, your good living. I'm going to show nothing but my faith, but my faith and the attempts I made at loving like Christ. Okay. So hopefully that will work. Question here, was LDS for 56 years? Where do I start in the Bible as a new believer? Start in the Gospel of John. Not an LDS Bible, just a regular Bible, King James, NIV, ESV, Standard American, whatever it is, and uh, go from there. Next one, I am 15 and dating an LDS girl. What do I do? Stop. (laughs) Immediately. Immediately. I'm going to tell you something, you cannot believe the amount of parents and people that we get emails from where they say, my family was raised as Christian church, they love and they met a Mormon girl or they met a Mormon guy and suddenly they are, have, have converted. You know, they've, they've joined the church tr- because let me tell you something, that Mormon girl you're dating, her objective and from her parents' uh, objectives too is to get you to get that boy in and get him baptized and then she'll get you sent out on a mission, and then she'll marry somebody else, dude. So get rid of her now. There's plenty of good Christian girls out there. And I know, in this realm, it's tough. But you know, you shouldn't be really heavily dating when you're 15 anyway. You're going to get in trouble. Wait till you go to college. There's plenty of good Christian girls out there. And keep this time of your life free from all that. Come see girl. Uh, at Calvary Chapel, Coast, uh, Coast Calvary Chapel, uh, Salt Lake City, this Saturday night, 6 o'clock, even if you're a guy, because I think it will help you. Happy birthday, Volunteer Linda, uh, has done so much uh, good for the uh, ministry, and today, I think she turns, I'm going to get in trouble right now, 30, I think it was 30, yeah, uh, and then we have... Uh, I'm sorry, we're out of time. I can't take a call. We have two other calls. Uh, can you ask the LDS why they have the Book of Mormon when the Bible is the Word of God? Let me tell you something. Any cult leader, you name the cult, they always will say, you can't trust the Bible. That's the first thing they will say. And then when you can't trust the Bible, guess what you got to trust? Them. And I want to tell you, don't trust me on anything. Get your Bible out, open it up, see what the Word of God says, and trust that and that alone. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. God bless.